What's going on, everybody? We've got a special version of the Endpoint podcast coming out here with all of the CS guys to kick things off with. Obviously, all of us are stuck at home, isolated, good old Corona, just messing everything up. But it gives us plenty of time to do things like this, also play some more CS. So first of all, for all of you guys, how are you doing? How has the quarantine been? I guess just more of the same, playing a lot? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Thomas, do you have to go to uni still or you got to do it from um, from home or anything? Sorry, what? Do you have to go uni or are you just doing it all from home? Uh, I have to do it all from home now. Oh, that's not too bad though, right? <laughs> are, are, are you balancing yeah. correctly or not? Uh, yeah, I've got, a, I've got a break now because of Easter, but yeah, mm-hmm. Corona's really messed things up. <laughs> just meant you can play more CS, that's, that's the main thing. So this is all talking about kind of what we've done with Endpoint, what you guys have done in, in bringing the team uh, to some of the highest points that UK has seen in a long, long time in success and what we've been able to achieve. So... I think the first thing I should start with is when I've been discussing you guys before, uh, beginning of the year, uh, to where you are now, when I've been talking to other talent about it, it's probably the most excited we've been for a UK team in a long time. But what did it take for you guys to kind of put this all together to make this project come together? Um, originally, I think it was a bit random. Um, I was playing with some European players. I think Thomas and Kaya and Robin might have been playing together. Uh, but there was no team, and then WSG qualifiers came along, and then we decided. Oh, I asked Kai actually, it's the real everyone's a player. And then we just made the roster there, and then we won WSG qualifier and played ever since, pretty much. So that it all worked out pretty well, right? We've been a long time waiting for this to happen in terms of seeing a UK team rise up and, and have a chance. So when you're when you're doing this, right? When you're when you're forming this roster, you guys have played together before on different teams. You guys have played against each other so much. How do you pick the right members to try and make this lineup work compared to what we've seen across the UKC many other times? Teams you guys have been a part of where it's just, oh, looks good at the beginning, then it falls apart a few months later. Uh, I think we've all played together. I played with everyone in the team before, apart from Kaya. Um, so I, I sort of knew what everyone would bring. And I didn't really have any worries about it, to be honest. But I don't know what anyone else thought. Well, I think, I think what's different... Uh, what, what differs this team to other UK teams in the past is I think we have way more experience than any other UK team has ever had. And I think the five individuals in this team is just hard workers and we all respect each other and we like we like work on our problems together and we are not afraid of like saying what's wrong and like taking criticism and I think that's what differs us to other UK teams and stuff like that. I think we are we have a way better way of working together than uh, UK yeah, teams yeah. in general and stuff like that. Mainly because of our experience, I think, and like our European experience. It's, yeah. So with the UK team being what it is, like I'll, I'll go for showing my old man face off here. I retired back in 2007, but realistically, I expected us to be in a much better position when we come into 2020 with like terms of teams, what's going on in the UK scene, things being fixed out and, and players starting to have opportunities. Yes, we've got a few little like one-off success stories, right? Like where we see people break out and, and try and make moves. But we've never really had a team be consistent and, and reach the high levels. And I want to get you guys' opinions on, on why that is because it's been a long time we've been waiting to see this. You guys seem to have the, the, the ultimate chance of, of making this dream a reality. When all the previous ones we look at and other UK teams and how they've come together, for me personally as an ex-player, it's like it's 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 embarrassing. Um, I d- I just don't think that enough people get the opportunity like to play in Europe. Mm. Like um, you've only got a handful of players. You've got obviously like Smuya, Death. Um, then you've got like Mantu, but Mantu didn't really play in the UK scene. He played yep. more in the German scene in an English-speaking environment. Um, <clears throat> then you've got, like, Alex playing for Vitality, but, you know, we, we played with him, me and Max did in WSG qualifier back in 2018, I think. And that was, like, the only time he played with UK teams. Mm, okay. But, like, the opportunity, I think it, it is there, but people don't grind to it. Like, you've, you've definitely got a lot of good players in the UK, like Vexed are showing a lot of good talents, like Mezzi, Link's really playing well at the moment. But um, I just don't think they're getting the opportunity to go elsewhere at the moment. Mm. 
So there's more a problem with the opportunity around there. But is there, is there a chance that maybe you, you think of other rosters that would be better off maybe coming away from a UK team and, and having like the core roster maybe be just Brits and then add more international players? Or do you think there's other UK players that can come together and be the, the right five to make it work? Um, to be honest, I think that... I think Vexed are doing pretty well with what they're doing. I think they're the only team worth mentioning at the moment. Okay. Like I, I, I generally think that they're gonna probably make MDL, hopefully with us, which will be pretty cool to have two UK teams in MDL next season. Yeah, that'd be sick. That'd be really good. And in, in terms of like you touched on what Vex had offered, I know there's uh, limited organisations that even offer salaries, let alone the right support in in working with UKCS teams. Now I know from other organisations they got annoyed about how. Rosters would come, form, disappear after they've invested into them. It obviously costs a lot of money and that side of things. But do you think the scene in general just needs more support from the UK side? Or do we need something to change from the player perspective? Because from when I look at it, there's also a massive amount of players that need to kind of step up or just decide that they don't want to keep taking things away from the UK scene and allow people to actually want to use the opportunity in the right way to do it. I I definitely think it's the players... Uh responsibility in this in this topic i think there's been plenty of uk orgs, orgs that have been like offering small salaries and been offering support for teams to actually put in the extra time and and into cs but i think the players have just really mistreated the organizations and just thought that having a salary is an accomplishment that they're happy with rather than grinding further in that and like for the results and putting in the time and uh trying with the same roster for a long longer amount of time rather than and then, i don't know it feels like you a lot of uk teams just like they give up and they're normally oh, just yes. happy with with domestic results rather than thinking further and going international i think like we don't from my in my opinion i don't really care about uk tournaments at all mm. like with this team I, that's not my goal i want to i want to get really high on the on the international like scene and that's where I want the results rather than being happy about winning an APS or an I-series because it's nothing really. Like if you want to get somewhere, that's just like whatever. Uh, yeah. And I, I definitely think it's just attitudes. People have to just put in the time. And when they get the salary, that should be an extra boost to just like, yes, I can put put in extra time into this and actually get even better than rather than being happy with, with that. Yeah, yes. this, this is what's mental because, like, you look at salaries and stuff that we've seen now, it, it's become a lot more viable, right? Even for tier two, tier three teams to have opportunities to, to do this full time. And, like, you guys are saying there, there's a lot of UK talent out there, but it's like, it's almost like the hunger's gone from a lot of these UK players. It's like, okay, you should give up now rather than just taking the, the little scraps and, and taking it away from people who actually want to try, I think. Anyone else got anything they want to add to it? Yeah, I think at the moment in the UK, it's like a massive flip side of like, people abusing orgs at the moment like i think it's it's pretty unprecedented at at this moment because people are just abusing them for their salaries and they're not given any results they don't do any media they don't do anything really but i i do think there are teams in the uk who do put in the effort like smaller upcoming teams like you know chets you know they put in effort uh i know the cx guys they practice us quite a lot and you know they definitely put in a lot of effort as well but some other teams which i'm not going to mention you know i don't i don't think they put in nearly nearly enough effort for what they're asking yeah. for and that's the thing i feel i feel like even back towards the end of when i retired and just after we're talking about like 2010 2011 style there was a lot of teams that were just trying to do it off like old results or name value and, and take a salary while really just kind of not putting in anywhere near the effort. Like I did an interview with Natu not so long ago, which I found was eye opening. When I'm playing against like the, the 1.6 four Kings lineup back then, it was the Brits that were not practicing very hard at all yet taking the salary. And it was the Norwegian and the Finn that they had on the team who were just putting in all the hours grinding and carrying them. But then whenever they got to big events, they'd be getting smashed. So in, for, for you guys, obviously like you were just saying, Robin, that there's no real interest for you in terms of the UK events. Is it still a case of go to the UK events, make sure you're 100% winning them, and then focus on the bigger goals afterwards? Yeah, well, yeah, I guess so. Like, I think, I think we should win them. Like, and then I, th- I, I, I don't know, I don't know how to, how to say it, but I don't know. I feel like we should win them, and then 
that's that. We win them, and then we just like focus on everything else, kind of thing. I don't know. I don't really know how to to word it, but something like that, yeah. And and in terms of when you go to these events like the I series, the Epic Lands, things like that, is it very different in terms of how you guys can even get yourselves prepared for it? Because I know obviously we get tons of mixed teams and stuff start up. You get those wild upsets. It's obviously very different than say preparing for MDL or for Dreamac. I don't think you can really prepare for an ice series. Like the, the way the way that we prepare for games, you you can't do it at an open land like that. It like you have so many mixed teams. Usually you get the the UK super mixed team, one of them turning up. Yeah. Which you can't you can't prepare for. You have your maybe two two of the top four teams going maybe, and then you'd have to just play your own game and try and win the event. There's nothing you can really do at that event. It's it's really different to any European lands as well. To be honest with you. And in terms of what you guys set yourself like expectation wise when you turn up to these events, is it just kind of play your game, use it as a tiny bit of practice, or is it even not even worthwhile practice? It's just okay, we need to do our job and get the win. Um I think in our team we're all professional enough to understand that we like we have to win the event. Mm. Um it it depends. Like for example, if we went to an ice series, it'll probably be a more chilled out environment for us because we know it's like compared to like an EPS, compared to European land, it's not gonna be as difficult. Yeah. But like if we go to EPS, for example, like every game is going to be difficult to an extent. Because um, I think a lot of teams are anti right now in the UK and mm-hmm. everyone will know how we're playing anyway. So I think we should be aiming to win it. But um, I think it, like at least putting some effort towards it and it would be fine, I think. And in terms of the state of like Epic Land and iSeries and stuff, now it's been a long time since I've turned up to it. But when it comes to like what they're doing for the UK scene and trying to push things forward, are you seeing things get better in how the events run, how it is scheduled for you guys, or is it the same old kind of like crazy cluster of really late night games and kind of not not very good at getting yourselves into how a proper event should work? In my eyes, um, I think it's always difficult to critique it because it depends who's running it at the time like usually uh, mario was running epic lands and they, they ran really smoothly every time i went but it's always hard to run a smooth event with same like you know like 50 teams plus or whatever an ice series or 30 teams at an epic land and it's, it's pretty uh, difficult so i don't know i don't know what to say about that topic to be honest <laughs> all right fair enough we can we can leave that one on but let's get on to more things about the team in general i know you've got come in as a mental coach now first thing i was interested this is the first mental coach you guys have had if i'm right uh yeah 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 so obviously we're getting to a point now in cs we're seeing crazy amount of overtimes you just look down some of your games and recent results long games the whole distance with it what kind of a difference has he been able to make in terms of you guys of how you stand together kind of avoiding arguments and stuff and, and being mentally strong and focused throughout all of this um over the past few months i think since since january yeah um he's been like we've had um when we've been practicing we've we've like discussed the issues we've been having and we realized that like the way we were going about it was wrong and like the way that we practiced in like how we would talk to each other was wrong during games and stuff so that's what we've been working on mainly and it helps us to like make a, a resilient mental toughness for example in in the officials like i think uh, the game, the last official we played, it was against Arnold Attacks, and we went to like one map down, and then the last two maps were du- like overtimes or double overtimes or something. And we we remained calm in those games, and it it really shows the way we play as well. Like in previous teams, if you get to overtimes or you're losing games, you get a bit stressed, you get like panicky and stuff. And it's like in this team, we don't really do that, which is nice. And in terms of how it is, it's helped you guys come together, is that kind of solidifying the whole mindset and the mentality? Obviously, every mental coach works in very different ways across the board when you speak to them. But um, the thing that we talked about earlier when playing the UK scene and not keeping a roster that stays together is, is this something where you guys can have a lot more confidence in how you communicate, how you keep things going and avoid issues like this? Yeah, I, I, I think so, yeah. Um, like, any any argument that we have is brought to a stop, you know? And, like, yeah. we, we don't really... Like, compared to, like, other teams, I don't think we've had team killing arguments like we have the odd discussion about like a round or what we think went wrong or something like that but in, in other teams you have an argument and the, the team's dead and it's just not like that in this team <laughs> that's good to hear that's definitely good to hear now in terms of the ukc and, and then what you guys have in terms of competition there is it good enough competition for you guys to get like regular practice from and who would you say is your your biggest uk rival vexed 
I mean, I don't yeah, think, I think there really right. is any other team. <laughs> Are they that I'm, much of a rival? I, I, I think they're the only team that can actually take a map of us and stuff. I, I don't even okay. know what other UK teams there are, to be honest. Like, no flame. I just have no clue because never rarely see UK teams in, like, international okay. competitions or, like, get far in qualifiers. So I have no clue, actually. I don't know if recent game is still around, but they I guess they, they're they all right. They have some good players, but I think our main rival and the only team that I can get to our level is, is Vexed. Okay, and interesting. So they're the biggest rival you have in the UK. In terms of practice-wise, do you practice against many other UK teams or is it just not worth it? Never practice against UK teams. It's not Black it. Boys, it's not flaming, right? It, it, there's, there's one thing you've got to look at is if you're trying to take things to the next level on an honest basis, then if there is literally you are the best, you're not going to see Australis go and play, play against Tier 5 Danish teams, for example. They're just lucky they have a few top Danish teams. I mean, for us, it's it's more beneficial to be playing against the top teams because then, like, yeah. like we have like there's different prac groups and stuff, and it's it's just easier and better for us to find out what's working for our team if we play against the better teams. To be honest. And in terms of practice, this is what I wanted to get onto: is like, how regularly do you play against some of the, the say teams within the top fifteen, for example? Has it been easy for you to get into these groups and and have a chance against them? Yeah, I think we play like it depends how early we put the games. Um, Mm. It depends how lazy I'm being, to be honest with you. <laughs> but um, no, nah, we have we have good games against some of them. It depends on the maps, but it's it's fun to play against them for sure. Come on, give me a little bit more. I want to know who you're playing against. What teams? What what's going on? How are these results looking? I know it's only practice, but it, it's interesting because there was a point in time where UK teams were just not being accepted into these kind of practice groups. That's what I know for sure. Um, we're playing play, against all of them, I guess. Well, we got. <sighs> I don't know how to put it on stream, but we got. I think Navi's a good partner of ours. Like we played Navi quite a bit now. Mm-hmm. We got, um, yeah, we got slapped by Fnatic. We uh, play close games with Navi. We play. Uh, we had some games booked against some American teams, but then the, the coronavirus thing happened, and then yeah. the Pro League thing went regional. So, yeah. And and how much success you find during these practice? What are you able to take away from it? What are you learning going up against these kind of teams? Because obviously. They are a, a lot more experienced in that sense. Um, I think it depends what we we're practicing. So they went like before we went to Anaheim, we were like we realized that playing Virgo would be to our advantage. So we put mm-hmm. a lot of time into Virgo, and we were playing some teams, and we were just slapping them. We were beating them like twenty five five, like twenty ten and stuff. And like, well, maybe pretty good on Virgo. Um, but then it comes to a map like Mirage, for example, or like Nuke. Yeah. You try and play, you try and play top teams on those maps, and they've been playing them for years, and you like, don't know what's going on. <laughs> so it's a real, there's a there's a steeper learning curve, right, when you come yeah. against that when you've been playing maybe teams not on that level so much. But in terms of, in order to kind of get over that hurdle, right, and take it to the next step, what, what needs to happen for you guys? I think the way that I've explained to my team is that there's different stages to a team and like yeah. after the first three months we've we've reached the first stage of having like a map pool. We have like the understanding of what we're doing, but going to the next stage is adding more stuff and practicing more and figuring out what's not working for us. That's what we've been doing the past like two weeks or so. It's been practicing and figuring out, you know, like are we playing the maps the way we want to play them and stuff. And it's just yeah. it's just time consuming, but it, it takes a lot of time. Now, Robin, this one's directly for you because obviously you're not British, you're, you're a Scandinavian, Swedish man out here, but you've been playing a lot in the, the UK scene. What were your initial reasons for joining the UK scene and do you have any regrets about it at all? I think the main reason is my backbone. Yeah. Um, I always played with UK players, like my first ever team was with a UK player um, and uh, TSAC. And then when uh, I joined SAPSO, I we got to the major, got kicked, and then I got banned a couple of months later. And then there was not much alternatives for me. Like I couldn't, mm. not I couldn't play the the biggest tournaments. So and I still wanted to play competitive CS. So then the UK scene was was quite an obvious choice. Um, and then T second Daniel Sam brought me into Infused, and then the rest is history. I guess like I just got a lot of contacts within the UK scene. And I kept going to the UK lands and playing all the leagues and stuff like that. And then here I am. <laughs> and obviously the VAC ban got removed though, which is a huge positive out there. But how did that kind of affect your career? Do you think you'd be in this position that you're in now if that had never happened? 
I don't think so. I I don't know. It's I th- I find it hard to uh, like think about where I could have been because I don't know. It makes me kind of sad in a way because like you, you never know. Like I played the first major when I was when I was 18, and like uh, God knows where. Like maybe if, if my performance was was better there and I actually didn't have the backbun, like I could have been in like the, around the top scene for years for now, like yeah. now. But I can't really look back. I have to just like look forward and keep grinding and trying to get to the top eventually. Anyways, well, you've certainly done it right in the in the grinding way. And uh, well, you're on the the team with the the most chance now that we've seen out of the UK in a long time. And and this next one's for all of you in general is just. In terms of, say, there's some young CS talent watching this now, some people that want to grind their way correctly, not get caught into that horrible UK scene that sees you never go out and and gain any experience and waste your life. In general, what advice would you give to those people to make it make it in the scene and, and be something successful? Don't play UKPR. <laughs> <laughs> Don't play any UK circuit, man. Go for face it, challenger, man. Just don't play. Yeah. Come on, man. I made that. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah. You need you need to play versus better players, and you sort of yeah. hit a ceiling in UKPL where you just don't learn. So yeah, hundred percent play face a challenger. You know, grind to it. It'll take longer, but it'll be worth it. This is why you're here, Thomas. Right? I wanted the honest answers. That's that's what we're looking for. <laughs> Robin, Max, <laughs> anything else to add on it? Well, I I think also that players should put in the time and watching demos and stuff and also be way more open to criticism and just like if someone better or anyone says that you're doing this wrong mm. like even though you don't agree like at least listen to a part of it and see like try to look at why they're saying it and be more open to criticism and improving that way as well because i think that's that's really valuable um I've actually been asked the question quite a few times. It's always hard to give an answer to because it depends whereabouts you are in terms of being an amateur or or even playing competitively. But I think the what I usually say is just try and find a team, even if it's with friends or people you don't know, try and find a team and just try and start the grind. Like even starting like ESCA Open, for example, is the way that I started. We mm. played ESCA Open, and then we played up like, intermediate into main, and I think we played main for a few seasons. Even just doing that, you get the experience. You get to play against like people your level or even better than your level. It's always beneficial. So yeah, get a team. And is this a problem still in the UK scene that a lot of the teams even that are practicing and just trying? I I remember it from years ago where they just would sit there and and game 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 to just get matches lined up, and they weren't doing say demo review. They weren't trying to have like tactical times and stuff like that. Is that something that still goes on? I imagine so, because if you don't see the improvement of the UK scene, then yeah. like what what are the teams practicing? Like you don't, I don't know. Like I think us and Vex probably, and maybe even Reason, if they're still practicing, I think they understand how to practice. Um, mm. But I don't know. I can't speak for any other team. Um, it's better to practice for a reason rather than just Definitely. play just play to play the game, you know. Um, but for us, every like for our schedule, for example, we have an hour brief before every day, so we can figure out, for example, if you want to change something if you want to add a new thing to a map if you want to watch a demo if you want to do something on server we can do anything we want um but we have that every single day and we can have two or three hours of it as well so yeah yeah brilliant it's definitely there's there's a huge balance to be had there that i think more and more teams will be smart to learn from on that so let's talk dream hack that we got to right because you guys had a, a fair showing in terms of your first big event like that but how did you guys handle the whole situation beforehand with the controversy before going to that event? How hard was that for you guys? Mm, uh, I found it pretty hard because I think me and Max got a lot of the criticism. Yeah. And like everyone made it out to be like me and Max stealing the spot and whatever. And it's like... Yeah, um, to be fair, it was pretty brutal going on social media for a few few days. But... Uh, and even like... Um, mean safer friends now but our friendship kind of like fell apart because of the whole thing and stuff so that wasn't very fun and i think max had a some some similarities oh, yeah. with, everyone uh, everyone hated me yeah, yeah. so, so it was so rough. Uh, rough 
Yeah, but it, it, it was a big case of everyone thinking they understood what was going on when yeah. it was just like a, it's one of those just like petty drama things. It was, I don't know, it was a weird one. And and, and end of the day, right, if anyone actually cared, you want to send a, a full team, you want to send a team that's practicing and, and has a chance to do what you do. Do we not just want to see another team go there, get wrecked like 16-2, 16-4 each time? And more than likely that would have been what happens if, if it went the other way, right? So this this in general was probably the best decision to be had from it. In terms of when you, you got to the event, right, obviously you were taking losses of wins, but how was it for you guys being on the stage, this environment, uh, the mentality? Did you guys feel ready at that point? Um, I think it was uh, a surprising atmosphere for us. Like it was our first, obviously, first big event, and we weren't really like usually you experience. I think it like counts towards our experience as like players in the team. But um, like no one was panicky. Like we were, when we were playing Fury at the first game, even though it like it looks like we got battered. Like in in my mind, it was a closer game than what it what it was. Um, yeah. but against Forza as well, who again I think at the time they were like a top ten team. Um. It was like weirdly calm, and I think that played to our advantage in how we managed to get the the win over them. And was Ross there at this point? Had he had he come and just start helping? Did he travel to the event with you? Yeah, yeah, he came to the event, and it was a good help. Oh, perfect. Um, just keeping us relaxed, even throughout the whole event. Like I think he, he travelled with me and Thomas on the plane, um, which you you might see in the might have a vlog coming out. I don't know, but hey. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> little teaser. Here we go. I get some behind the scenes of Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's yeah, going to be a good bit of meme fun, I'm sure. It always is when it involves uh, it. It's already started, hasn't it? <laughs> um, you're talking about that loss to Fury, right? Like, obviously, anyone that watches it and understands that you can see the very smaller details that when people just look at the results, they go, oh, yeah, they got wrecked. But you guys know it. We've seen it. Fury are a very different team and a very difficult team to play against. What was it like when you're trying to, like, mid-round call and, and look at what on earth's going on with these guys? Um, well, the thing is, we, we prepared quite a bit for Furia. Cause we, like, we knew we were playing them first game for yeah. over over a week or so. Um, I mean, we kind of knew what map it would be. It would, like, I think we, I can't what we said, it would be like Inferno train or, or Train, yeah, and it was Inferno. Um, I, can't remember, I think it might have been like a 16-6 scoreline or something, but I, I think the way we started the game was perfect. Um, we, we knew sort of what they were going to do pistol rounds sort of what they were going to do on their buy rounds and stuff but then we just i think the way they played was just different to what we did like we've experienced in europe it was mm -hmm. like it was a relentless aggression against us um but i think on a different day we would we could like replicate the scoreline the way they did against us we lost some like really like rookie rounds i think like we got e-code like two or three times we on banana like on inferno we just got demolished it was just like but after the game we figured out like what like what are we doing you know like we're at like a tier one event like <laughs> to get it together and then we played against fury the day after and we managed to play like i think we lost inferno still but we played way more convincingly yeah yeah it's forza yeah, oh, forza. forza yeah forza yeah so fury into forza and then north wasn't yeah. it? that's how it went yeah um, before the event, though, did you guys have any boot camp or anything like that? Done? What was practice schedule like that? Yeah, we oh. had a um, we had a boot camp in Sheffield. Um, what's it called? The Lava Esports was it? A Lava Esports, like a esports center. Okay. Um, it was a bit of a weird boot camp, to be honest. We were planning to obviously boot camp, but then that was when the minor qualifier was, and then that's when Flashpoint got announced as well. Um, so then we were like, oh, we should probably play a few of these qualifiers. And then it turned out that some of them overlapped on certain days. And then everyone started complaining about it. And then they all got moved. Um, so like it was literally one day I was a minor qualifier. You you play that. You get to day two. You might win or lose. You lose. Okay, never mind. Next day, flashpoint qualifier. And it was it was that for the whole seven days. Yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't the the most beneficial boot camp in terms of practice, but um, we managed to play a lot of the qualifiers, which I guess in some sense, we were, like we, we lost a lot in that one week period. It was so stressful, but I think it actually kind of helped us before Anaheim. We figured out like a lot of our mistakes on maps. And it was, mm. yeah, I think in that sense, it was beneficial, but we couldn't really practice that much because we were playing qualifiers all the time. Now, the Forza game obviously was a big one. You guys managed to take down a team like that, but... 
in terms of when you're actually getting the job done, when you're able to take them down, did that guys give you that like extra bit of belief, that extra bit of faith of what you guys can do? Yeah, I think across the board in our team, it gave us belief that what we were working towards is working. Um, it, like all our strats were working, um, the way we're playing is working. Everyone was like feeling way more confident on the maps that we won, and even the maps we lost, we, we knew sort of like how we could fix it. So, yeah, I think in that in that aspect, it was a confidence booster for sure. And and what happened in the North game? Because obviously, Dust Two was certainly a, a winnable chance for you guys. Is it one of those ones where you go, oh, okay, we really messed X, Y, Z up, or is it one where, okay, they were just better on the day? Um, it was, uh, we lost 2-0, right, against the Yeah, North. yeah. Um, there was Dusty, yeah. it went over time, you could have had a third in there. Yeah, it was, was it Vertigo first map, then Dusty the second? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 so like, on, on Vertigo, the, the issue that we ran into was, I was saying before, we played Vertigo a lot before our time, and we were literally mm -hmm. beating every team we played against. And the only, like, they North, like, made a style that was completely different to what we practiced against for the entire, like, period we've been playing. So that that was the reason why Virgo went so, like, one way, I guess. Um, like, they had this different CT style and even a different T style than what we've been used to playing. But on Dust 2, yeah. They really well, I think. Yeah, like, it showed their experience, to be honest. And on Dust 2, I think, I don't know, we just got, I can't remember what happened in the game, but it went to, like, double or triple overtime or something. But I guess they managed to edge us out by just having more composure and slightly more experience of the team, I guess. But... I also think, like, a lot of fatigue was kicking in because, you know, we played about four hours against Forza, like, early yeah. in the day. And then we had that, like, we had a around two or three hour break like you know these guys are coming fresh out you know they, they, they're hungry for the win you know we're, we've used most of our tank playing like forza and like mm -hmm. beating them out you know edging them out on like ot games and you know it, it it i think if if we had like a break like a longer break where we actually used that break properly like you know rested and properly did it yeah. um it would have been like a different game much closer I wouldn't say like we would have won, but it would have been definitely more closer than it was, definitely. And, and this is the problem, right? Because when you look at, say, most of the tier one events now, you generally don't get more than one or maybe two best of threes a day even when you're in, in group stages because of how it's all panning out. But when you come to events like this, it's, it can be that slog and that, that drop-off is, is pretty huge. But in terms of what you learned overall from attending the event, how much have you been able to look back at and, and kind of fix mistakes and look at things? Are you proud of what you managed to achieve overall? A hundred percent. I think that no one expected us to even get a map. Yeah. Know? If you look you know, at a community no comments, certainly. Yeah, no one expected like anything. But we all know that we had like the potential to, you know, make it out, you know, potentially play versus these teams in practice. We played well. You know, we we were coming off like a really hot streak, you know, from playing teams like Heroic, you know, even though we lost, but you know, having that experience versus them together. And, you know, playing versus Forza, it just all came to peace. You know, like, we were all in, like, some flow state where mm. we were just playing at, like, most of our peaks. And Forza weren't able to adapt because we were adapting more to them than they could okay. to us. But, yeah. In in terms of, as well, when you were talking about Flashpoint qualifiers and stuff going for that, I'd, I would have loved to see you guys qualify for that because I think you look at the teams and names in there, First of all, against some of the teams, yeah, it'd be a great experience. But a lot of those teams, I'd have faith that you guys would be able to take them down. Do you look at some events like that and think, oh, we could do well in that. Like, we could do better than some of these other teams. Yeah, for sure, I guess. Like, I think that qualifier was, I, I'm still kind of annoyed about both the games we lost in that qualifier. We lost against Windstrike in a best of three. I think we should have won that best of three. I think we threw train quite hard and then the same thing happened against movie star where we played the best of three and we threw train hard so it's kind of frustrating and i think our path our path if we beat Winstrike, for example would have been very doable if we look at like park results against our own team so mm. it was it was a bit annoying but i at the same time we can't really look back and be like oh yeah we could have been there and we could have done better than this and that because we need to prove it kind of thing but i definitely think like i, I think we all like can look at events and be like yeah we could have we could have been there and we could have done better and this and that but i think that's just natural cs mindsets i think <laughs>
Now, ESA, I'm going to get on to next because you guys are still pushing hard in that. You're in the grand finals of 1-0 lead, going up against Atex in a couple of days. But how does it feel for you guys to be in this position? Because obviously, when you look at the European MDL, it's it's a pretty strong stacked set of roster. Yeah, I think it's probably one of the toughest leagues, isn't it? Um, I think we've done quite well this season, to be honest. I think we played out the regular season. I can't remember our record. It's like 11, 12, 14, or something. 14 2. 14 2. And one of us, a uh, forfeit loss. Yeah, I think we lost. We only lost the game to Copenhagen Flames at the start of the season. Um, but yeah, we've been playing quite well. Like Even in these overtime games, like I was saying before, we're playing composed. Where, and that's how I think we're able to edge out these games. Yeah, I was going to ask you, how do you think it's going to be different? Because obviously you, you may have taken them down before, but like you said, they're very close. So do you feel like you've come on a long way since you last played them? Um, I think if, after we played them, like I think we all agree as a team, we didn't play to like even our remote highest level at all. Like We were playing really mm-hmm. sloppy in the game. Um, and we all said like we could be like better than what we are. Like we're we're throwing away rounds. We're not playing as well as we should be playing and stuff. And we still managed to edge it out. So I think I don't know. Hopefully we we can get the best of five win over them. But I think we get a map advantage. So yeah, yeah, you got the one zero. You got the one zero advantage, and also it's it's only one spot right. So you have to win that to get straight up and and bumped up. How huge is that to just be able to not have to go through the whole relegation thing and just be able to get the straight qualifying spot? Oh, I would be fantastic if we could do it I'm, I'm believing that we can so 100%. there you go that's why like see max is like oh yeah believe that we can <laughs> thomas comes at 100 robin you've got the final say on it 110 <laughs> percent. hey we're just one up on him there you go thomas you got you gotta learn from that one yeah, sometimes um, you gotta take it now <laughs> <laughs> now in terms of after let, let's let's go through it this way what are the goals for you guys right we're gonna say you've smashed Atax, which is going to happen in a couple of days. So you're going to win that one, no problems. But for the rest of the year, for the next few months, what's the goals for you guys? Um, defeat coronavirus and go to WSG. <laughs> yeah, I'm still waiting for that one. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a weird landscape in CS right now, I guess. But um, and everything is online, so it's, it's just kind of hard to put goals, I guess. But I guess we just want to do well in all the online tournaments we play, and then hopefully when the world is back to normal, we can get to some bigger bigger events again and hopefully do even better than last time. Such as like WSG we have already secured, but we don't know when yeah. when that is. But more events uh, similar to that on that level, uh, I think will be would be really good for us. Nice. And I guess you guys are just kind of entering like every qualifier, every opportunity like that, or do you pick and choose which ones you can do? Uh, we've been given loads of advice to HLTV Cups. Like, nice. you know, I think we're really going to be focusing on playing all of these cups or like tournaments which are coming up, like Loot Bet. You know, these are really big like opportunities if we can get out of the groups, you know, to like pursue further. And it also gives us a lot of like experience playing against, you know, teams that we don't sometimes prac against, mm-hmm. you know, to try and like, you know, see if our stuff's actually working still. But yeah, I think like the opportunity is now there and all we have to do is, you know, play our game and hopefully if we can win, (laughs) it'll be pretty nice. And I know one of the main goals for you guys was to to hit the top 30 rankings on HLTV would be a big achievement. You peaked at 35, currently sat in 38th, but what's needed? What do you guys need to do to to break through the top 30 and continue to, to go up? Is it more strategy is it more time as a team mentally what what do you think is the missing components for you guys um i think me and ross spoke i think i don't know maybe we had a team discussion about it. i can't remember but um i was speaking to ross for sure about it and the, the, our biggest like thing we don't do enough is watching ourselves back and seeing where we went wrong as a team rather than adding more like more strats and stuff i think in the big games it's more of a case of what you do wrong rather than what you're doing right because i think if you have enough stuff something's bound to work and for us especially we have so many things that we do on maps mm. um, and we know a lot of it works so it's it's more of a case of figuring out what we're doing wrong so okay. and in terms of this is an interesting one i like to ask a lot of teams at the because we're seeing more and more international rosters created right so mixed nationalities and that side of things 
what would you guys say are the positives and the, the negatives of international rosters and stuff like that being formed and coming up? Um, from playing with like quite a few rosters which are international, mm. I think that you know some people's cultures definitely clash. You know how people react to certain stuff. You know, like in UK, we've got a really big banter thing, which yeah. sometimes people don't, you know, they aren't able to understand fully. But like other countries, you know, there's a lot of history there between countries, especially like within Europe. And sometimes they just clash. People mm. do. But like, there's definitely loads of advantages. Like you're able to utilize more more skill, and having like the right coach. Like in no chance we had Devil Walk, you know, he really basically glued the team yeah. together while Kevin was able to like, you know, build the team, which was like really good. But it, I've seen other teams like just fail purely because, you know, they don't have that openness and the communication. And then, you, you know, players have divides and all sorts. All right. Well, now I've got a few more specific questions just aimed at you guys individually so i'm gonna pick and choose you ones out of it i'm gonna start with you max because for you obviously you've taken on the in-game leader role but it's obviously a learning curve and, and how that's all been working for you so how's it been going how do you feel it's been going and and do you still feel like it's like learning every day um still pretty rough i think i've been doing it for maybe just on the two like maybe a year and a half or something mm-hmm. um but it's always a, a challenge like you have to figure out how you want to play um and even even now, like it's still a challenge. You have to figure out what what thing like do you utilize your players, how they work, like what are they good at. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a challenge. But I think I'm getting the hang of it more so now than I was before. Robin Thomas, you think he's doing a good job? Yeah, I, I think, think he's, he's like. I think he's doing well. Yeah, he's he's adapting, you know, awful. because he's, he, <laughs> he's not had the opportunity to play with players who have who's like skill ceilings are much higher so yeah. like the previous endpoint teams you know we would always have those problems of like cohesion and stuff but right now max has like way more freedom to do what he wants and like implement ideas he wants to do which is like really good while having members who basically um sort of just go along with it can go along with it and adapt fast so max doesn't have to teach it all the time mm. you know people are using their own you know uh, experiences and mindsets to implement into his styles which you know if they've been working really well so you basically got rid of the trash and got players you can actually work with that are sensible and good I no can comment. Say no comment. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just i'm just covering with a virtual i ain't holding back I've, I've watched our scene go down in in terrible shambles over and over again from certain players so good riddance i do i do also think that max has improved a lot uh yeah like uh, at uh, his IGLing and since we started the team, which is good. I think he's actively improving all the time as well. You are the two kind. Are you blushing? <laughs> <laughs> well, Max doesn't know this, but I, I had a little nickname for him. I called him the Emperor of the UK scene in my eyes because <laughs> you've, you've been on you've been on Endpoint for so long and you, you've held on to it. But my question is more around: Have you ever had like an international offer or something to move away from the UK scene, or you just kind of thought that? No, we we we. You always want to stay within the UK scene and make it work. Um. No, the, the only time I really branched out into like European territory was after the last endpoint roster. Um. So I branched out. I played with some Bulgarian players, but other than that, I've been loyal to the UK scene. So. Big mistake. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and obviously, you've been with the endpoint guys, even though like there was a small gap for about three years. What's been the differences in the teams as, as you've kind of been involved in them and, and all the the madness you've gone through? Um, I think both the org and the, like the teams I've been in have grown. Like at the start, we were like quite amateur. We we didn't really have much experience as players, but then like as the years went on, we suddenly got more and more experienced players. And then right now we have probably like the best UK team that's been. So mm. it's been quite a journey, I think. You summed yeah, up three years in the quickest way possible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Robert, this one's for you. So obviously you turned away from the in-game leader role to focus on your game. Why did this need to happen for you? Um, I don't know. I think it's something I wanted. I 
uh, I first moved away from it when I joined Ancient together with Pronox. Mm -hmm. And it was just really nice playing and not having to IGL and worry about everything else, everyone else. Yeah. But I don't know. It's I don't mind IGLing. I'd st still be up to or for doing it. But I think it's just it's just nice right now. I can focus on myself way more, and I think it's been showing in some of our games at least that I can just frag out and focus on myself. But at the same time, it's kind of hard because I still have the in the back of my head that like I need to worry about everyone else. Mm. And I think that's, I think I think that's just a part of it though. But I think I'm getting it better at just focusing on myself and letting Max do the do the job. And in terms of the difference between the UK and Swedish scenes, like, can you can you break that down to some people that may not really know the differences between it? And and also for you, is like, how much do you try to bring of the positive side from? Swedish scene and bring it over to your different UK teams because obviously for you it must have been very hard when you have to play with certain players in the UK scene who just are unacceptable in, in many ways um, compared to what you might be used to. I don't know compared to the Swedish scene it's hard I don't think I've ever like really been in the Swedish scene uh, I think at the start I had like mixed teams with my friends but mm -hmm. and then I had I was in gatekeepers singularity thing but that was we were just kind of outsiders because we were all backband, <laughs> so it's I, I don't know. It's hard to say what the what playing in like the real Swedish scene is like in like the top four like Swedish teams. I've I've never experienced that, so I, I can't really tell. But I guess um, for more international experience kind of thing, I think um, I don't know. I think I don't really know how to put it or what to say really. But I think something that UK players struggle with it's just i think attitude comes there we go um those kind of things and i think i have been helping a lot with that before i don't think i need as much before or as much right now because of the experience in the team but i think those two are the key uh, key things that i i brung with me back in the days yeah, I was going to say, you, you touched on it lightly, but I used to play in Swedish and Danish mixed teams, basically, a couple of Brits and the rest of them. And it's just mentality for me that definitely doesn't seem to have changed too much, but at least with you guys, it seems to be in a much more positive position. So, Thomas, Mr. Balancing Education and, and Gameplay at the same time, how on earth have you managed to do all this, mate? Because it, it can't have been easy at all. Uh, to be honest, the deadlines, like, for my uni work... They've been absolutely brutal. So, you know, I, I try and take my work, you know, to places so I could do it, but I just end up not doing any because I'm more focused on the CS. But, um, you know, it's really balancing your time. Like, I really dedicate quite a bit of time, in my own time anyways, to mm. do work. And, you know, <laughs> it, it is brutal when, you know, you've got, work during and you know you're sort of having to do it all in a week prior because you know there's so much cs wise that you're doing you know from boot camps to like online tournaments from practice you know it's consistent but it it can definitely be done i definitely think it could be done <laughs> i'm doing it now so <laughs> tell, tell us how it goes on your final year right Oh, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, what kind of sac sacrifices have you had to make to, to kind of have this working? Because obviously, to me, it seems like from the outside, if you're not on CS, you obviously have to do uni stuff as well, but you're, you're basically burning the candle at both ends in that sense. Um, yeah, like purely balancing time is, is sort of just... So when I do my uni work and go into uni, do my lectures... Uh, you know, I have a brief moment where I'm able to like, you know, socialize with all my mates at uni mm. um, because we book a day off because I have a full day at uni and I sort of use that to socialize as well um, in the afternoons or like late night. Um, for practices, it's more like I just got to ram everything in from practice and then I've got to, you know, put that to the side and absolutely just bash out a load of uni work. Yeah. And making sure it's like you know good quality so you know balance like balancing your time is just the most important thing making sure that you're in the right mindset as well to do that work is also important like when say we took a rough loss or something you know your mind's going to be on that for hours 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's very hard to switch out of it if you take a loss. And, you know, that that, that time is basically wasted. So, so yeah. And does the team have to kind of do a lot of changing on schedule or practice time, or do you work yourself around them? Um, it's, it's, it goes both way, ways at the moment because I work around the team mostly, but, mm. you know, some, you know, lectures I have to go to. So the team has to work around me yeah. in that sense. But because of the coronavirus now, I'm definitely going to be looking at it a lot differently. <laughs> there you go. There's something to be found from the coronavirus. In terms of, obviously, when you used to be on the Smash roster, now known as Godsent, did it hurt for you to have to take a step back and go back to the UK? Did you want to try and continue to find some international success? Um. No, not really, because I was kind of going through a dilemma myself because, mm-hmm. you know, when I joined them, I just finished my second year of uni. So I had a lot of free time to play with them. So it wasn't like I was being stressed. I was able to, like, fully practice with them. You know, we went to Malmo to practice uh, boot camp. You know, none of that concerned me with all the yeah. lands and online tournaments. But my biggest concern coming after the minor, you know, we beat, like, mouse sports there. You know, I was thinking, like, you know, it's all coming to reality that I'm having to pick between university or continuing with this team. Mm. And it sort of sent me into, like, a shock in, in some sense because the, rea- the reality of me not continuing my education would be, like, am, am I uh, – I would have to go fully into this when, in reality, I wasn't actually – I wouldn't say ready, ready. I was ready in game to play like full time yeah. but i want to i want to have that full back plan no matter what you know like smart I, I i see a lot of people you know they they dedicate everything to cs you know they they throw away important time which they have in education mm-hmm. and they pursue a career which they might not get i've had um, a handful of offers which you know would make me go way more full time you know, in America, but, you know, it's just not worth it at the moment. Okay. Good honest answers, and I'll agree with you. That's always good, especially you never know what's going to happen, like if you're trying to be in football, doesn't matter if it's esports, or if you're doing the real football, doesn't matter if you're doing CS, whatever it is, that if you don't have something to fall back on and it could all be pulled from your team, lose a sponsor, or you get dropped or whatever, it could be it could be a rough ride. So I've got yeah. a final question for all of you before we go on to the Q&A, see what the chat's going to say. Hopefully not too much meme stuff being fired about. We'll, we'll open up the floodgates, I'm sure. But um, I'm going to start with you, Thomas, and work my way around. Has this been the best team you've ever played on? If no, why? If yes, why? Just go through that. Um, I think, team-wise, this has been my favourite team to play in. Nice dodge. Um, nice dodge of the question, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'd have to say, like, probably no chance was probably the best team because of how much, or like, experience I had there. You know, mm-hmm. with players like Steco coming from like Mouse Sports. You know, there's a lot of like things to learn with Devil Walk. You know, playing yeah. at majors and winning majors. You know, you, there's a lot more experience there, and you know, it shows. But my personal passion for this project, you know, is way above that. Like, I'd prefer to be here doing what we are doing. Because I I wanna I believe in what we're, we're working towards, and it means way more to me than winning with like you know that no chance lineup. Mm-hmm. If I did if I went to the minor with this team and we beat Mouse Sports, you know the feeling would be ten times more because I I really believe you know getting a UK team into the top thirty even further, you know that would be awesome, you know, and that that is kind of what my goal is. Nice, nice. Robin, same question to you, mate. Um, I don't think it's the best team I've been a part of. I think, I think skill-wise, pure skill-wise, I think uh, the first episode lineup we had was better. And I think uh, like we beat some great teams. But I think I agree with Thomas in the sense of that it's probably my favorite team to be like to be playing. I think uh, it's just a nice environment. We're all friends. Um, and like you said, I think it would mean a lot more doing great with this team than like a lot of other teams I've been a part of. Finally, Max, your turn. Oh, well, same question. Oh, yes, you're all answering it. Um, considering every team I've been in is an endpoint team, um, I think it's must has to be a yes, right? <laughs> Good answer. 
But why is that? Well, give me the, give me the reason. Um, just for me as an IGL, it's it's nicer to play with people that can sort of play their own game. I don't have to mm. micromanage everyone every round. You know that I can let the I can say like what we're doing, and then I'll let them off, and they can do what they want. Yeah. Um. So for me, it's like a big, big thing off my shoulders as an IGL. And then as long as like, like we get all get along with each other as well, like, um, we're all friends. Um, and also we're the highest ranked team the UK's been. So easy Love answer to, to it. it. Yeah. Love to see it. All right, we're gonna take some questions from chat now. So let's see how this goes. Warning already. What are your expectations for next season? I'm guessing next season of what does he mean exactly? Probably ESCA. Uh, uh-huh. um, to be honest, you know, if we make MDL, which I think we will, um, it's, it's definitely going to be hard, but it's going to be so much better for us. We're going to have a lot more opportunity to play versus these teams. And I think we have what it takes to even, you know, make it to playoffs. What can be done outside of the game to help the UK scene? I'll start off with one thing for, to, to grow is get rid of the, the horrid people that have been the, the problem for the longest time and, and let the right people do their job properly. Orgs like Endpoint and, and stuff like that to do the, the correct way of, of building a scene, even outside of just CSGO, but maybe the players want to answer so a little bit more on that. Um, I don't know. Um... I guess players should try and act more professionally, even if you're not on a top team. Um, sometimes I go for my Twitter feed and it's just, I, I see some things, man. I'm just like, you can't be tweeting that. Yeah. Um, also as well, I guess, um, it's probably a UK thing, but the banner and all that on Twitter, I guess it's, it's fine, but you see a lot in, in low, like I get told some things where like people are just absolutely going ham on Twitter, other people because they've beat them in like a best of one on the ACA and stuff. <laughs> it's like they, they like people get caught up in the wrong things. Like you shouldn't really be caring about a best of one result against a domestic team. Like you should be looking beyond the UK scene, I think. Definitely. I definitely think like a big thing for a lot of people come upcoming is make sure that you don't, you know, burn bridges with people. Like, mm-hmm. I think that happened for a long time with uh, me and Smoothie at the start, you know, but just don't do it. It's just not worth it because when you get to a certain point, you know, people don't forget these, you know, they're pretty irrelevant, but people will always remember them. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you'll just be known for doing that specific thing and, you know, that could literally block you from the, you know, uh, releasing your full potential, but yeah, just just make sure that you don't you don't flame people unneededly. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> How does the living situation work for you guys? Um, obviously, I can see you all in, in different houses, but is everyone in the UK? What's going on with that? Uh, I live in Sweden. So you're still staying in Sweden? No, everyone's just at home. So, everyone's, yeah. everyone's just at home. There's no, there's no house to just boot camp maybe before events and stuff like that. Yep, quarantine. Got to yeah. keep safe. Can't be spreading it to all the old people outside. Got to isolate. Stay indoors, Thomas. Don't oh, give it to someone else, please. Oh, I will. I've been staying indoors. <laughs> Good boy. Good man. But <laughs> how much does exposure at these bigger events help with getting other teams, such TOs, to see you as a contender for events? Um, I think it was quite a lot. Like what? when we first formed the team, we were getting like no invites, and now mm. like we slowly start. We get like the odd invite here and there at the start. I think the first invite we got was because of our WSG result, and I think yeah. we made it to the final. And we played heroic and got slaughtered. Um, but coming even coming second and third and stuff, you still get noticed by other TOs. Um, it's massive as well in terms of the points you get on the rankings. I think that's yeah, true, the, true. Like you get a lot of points on those kind of events, and then points is what you need to rank up, and ranking is what invites are based off. So, getting to those events and playing there is it's just massive. Just because you've touched on the rankings, I want to say is, is do you guys think the the rankings and how it all works out for teams at your level? Do you think it's fair? Because obviously, uh, they had such a big impact, like you were just saying there, on on getting I, invited. 
I don't know. I haven't really thought about it that much, but my initial thought is that it's not overly fair because to get into the rankings, cause there's like, there's what HRTV rankings, which I guess is the fairest one. Mm-hmm. And then there's also like ESL rankings and there's also DreamHack rankings. And to, to get points on ESL and DreamHack rankings, you have to be in their, in their events. And to get to their events, like a lot of teams get invited based off other points that they have. So it's like, this is the circle of people getting re-invited based on points. So for us to like, the reason why we got points was because of the GMAC Anaheim spot. And realistically, like how many teams are going to make it to these events? Like one or two out of all the invites you have to qualify for. So I don't think it's inherently fair, but I I don't know how, what the alternative is, to be honest. Yeah, it's really hard when you look at rankings and systems and how you'd all set it up because, like you're saying there, some teams can hang on and just be losing but still get invites, so they gain a certain amount of points or whatever, and it doesn't work out. It's like they shouldn't even be there at this point. So maybe someone will come up with one smart system that solves them all. All right, next question is for you, Thomas. It says, how did you get picked up by a team and recognised? So I guess that means at the beginning for you, mate. Um, You know, I played a lot of... um you know, FPL C, I played FPL. Um, I, I basically made a lot of contacts through there. Um, not only that, but, you know, when I played in the previous endpoint lineups and iterations of it, um, you know, I was able to perform in, the, in those lineups. And I guess my reputation, like, in the European scene isn't that bad compared to other people. <laughs> so, you know, people are definitely out there to, like, you know, take a chance out on me because... You know, I, from what I've been told, people say quite a few nice things about me. So I guess that really helped, you know, me getting into an EU team. Okay. And question for Robin or Max is thought on lack of people coming through wanting to IGL. And for the few that are, any tips to improve? I think the reason people don't want IGL because it's literally double the time you have to put in, I think. <laughs> yeah. And on top of that, you'll have to sacrifice your, yourself a lot in games in terms of positions and how you how you play I think like you you won't have defenses and best stats if you IGL and I think that's what a lot of people want because that's how you become the best player in the world not by IGLing and playing for the team so I guess that's a big yeah I agree oh, I, I, I can't think of any like recently anyone like a UK team that's like had to start IGL in like there's been obviously endpoint where I've IGL'd vexed where I I think Adam's IGL, maybe I'm wrong. Um the reason team where Astro is still IGL. And then other than that, I don't know who's IGL like in, in the UK scene. There's not many compared to like the old days of source and stuff where like there was just too many IGLs. Like there was just IGL in every single team. <laughs> um but yeah, it's not really a role people want to do. Like I know yeah. I didn't like I've had to sort of just adapt and go into it because like there was literally no IGLs in the UK. Um, and it, yeah, like I guess a lot of UK people want to play for stats and stuff and play as an IGL. Like especially when you're starting off, it's not going to be great for you. So, um, but for learning it, I don't know. Like you have to just trial and error and figure out like how you want to do it yourself because I think every IGL is a bit different to be honest yeah and in terms of uh, obviously this this guy's asking the question but we kind of covered it already it says did the team think they would ever go back to UK lands but you planning to do the epic lands and ice series yeah from what we discussed earlier uh, no I don't no? think so I oh, so you're not going to you're not going to do it you're not going to attend them like unless like I don't know I, I don't see a world in which we would go to an ice series if we're <laughs> top 40 in the world like it's just for us there's probably a better tournament to be playing with better opposition so it's like I don't know it, it would depend on our schedules alright so do you think you'd be where you are now guys if you weren't full time no I don't think so no I I, doubt, I think there's a certain point you can get to about playing full time but then after that you have to put in so much work so I, I think I'd be surprised if I was here if I wasn't playing full time um, yeah, I think I'd be here. He'd be at uni, he's still playing FPL in his dad's um, I'm still, you know, juggling everything. So, yeah, I'll, I'll put the confidence card out there. <laughs> yeah, I reckon I'd still be lurking around. I mean, personally, I'd probably be here still. 
if it wasn't full time. But I think team wise, I, I don't think our team would be where we are now if we weren't playing full time. Yeah. I don't think I'd be an IGO if I was, wasn't playing full time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, playing boy. too much Bannerlord. <laughs> well, thank you very much for your time, guys. It's been a good bit of fun getting to deep dive a little bit further into this. Obviously, from what I said at the beginning to even what I'm saying now, I definitely think you guys have the, the biggest chance of flying the flag for us in a positive way. So I wish you the best of luck to continue forward with the success. Hope everyone watching has enjoyed this. It'll be up on the Endpoint YouTube channel as well, so you can watch it all back if you've missed any of it. But until then, I guess we'll see you next time. Yep, thank you. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye -bye.